Welcome to the Bear Hug Club, a pro wrestling podcast of positivity. Club podcast. I'm your host as always, Greg, and as always, I'm joined by my boo, Garrett. Hey, baby. Hey, baby. Um, so there's no JS with us this week, uh, simply because he's just become a father for the first time. So uh, he's having this week off, and then we'll see if he returns next yeah, week. We, if not, we, we understand. Uh, we wrote him out for storyline reasons. Yeah, yeah. It's all it's it's all under kayfabe. So shh. Yeah, um, yeah, he ate a big super kick because he has a he has a kid. Kayfabe, don't worry about it. Don't worry. Yeah, about it. don't worry about it. Don't worry. He'll, he'll be back. He'll be back. But um, yeah, big congratulations to him and his lovely fiance Hattie and their new wonderful daughter Violet. I can't wait to meet her. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, quick thing: plug out the social media. So we've uh, you can find us on the Bear Hug Club podcast on Facebook, Bear Hug Pod on Instagram, and Bear Hug Club on Twitter, and the Bear Hug Club podcast on the YouTube. Uh, speaking of that, we're hoping, like we said last week, we're hoping to get some more content done for that and try and make it, like, not necessarily its own thing, but to have some exclusive stuff on there. Um, one thing that we are, we, was, we were planning to do this week, but we still haven't figured out what we want to do with it, is we were contacted by a fan called Nick Opal Whiskey. Opal Whiskey? Might have absolutely, absolutely, I'm not going to pronounce it. I'll mess it I up. was going to say, I might have absolutely butchered your name there, Nick, so I do apologize. But um, he got in touch with us and asked if we'd do a, a review of SummerSlam 1991. Um, and we were we were never really thought about doing classic pay-per-view reviews. I mean, it's something, I think we're, we're open to a lot of ideas on what we want to do with the podcast. So we are going to get to that. Um, we're thinking of possibly doing it as a watch-along live stream type thing. Is that right? Yeah, we'll probably test it like that, doing an actual watch along together, record the whole thing, and then maybe do, um, maybe cut that down for highlights, because uh, maybe that'll make something a little bit more watchable. I don't think you'd want to sit through three hours of us going, oh, what a move, what a clothesline. <laughs> oh, there's Hulk Hogan, look at him go. Yeah, um, I think, I think I mean, what we could do with that anyway, we could, I mean, a lot of people don't mind watching full I mean, mm-hmm. SummerSlam 991, that's only got to be, what, like a three-hour show? So, I mean, if we, we could probably leave the full version, then have an edited version, I suppose, mm-hmm. as well. So, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. We're still trying to work it out. So, uh, if you listen to Nick, don't worry. The review is coming. It's just been a busy point for us, and we are a man down this week. Uh, we will figure out what the hell we're going to do with that eventually. But if you if you would like to get in touch with suggestions for the show or... You know, if you want to suggest the pay-per-view, whatever, um, again, just go through our Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. You can reach us through all those different channels and someone will get back to you on that. So we'll just move straight into weekly highlights. So the main thing we're just going to talk about this week is obviously it was War Games on Sun- yeah, Sunday. Um, I thought it was yeah, another... So used to it being a Saturday. Yeah, that's why I was like thinking, no, no, it's not Saturday anymore. It's Sunday. Um, I thought it was a really, uh, a really good show. What did you think of it, Garrett? Um... When you when you rank it next to other NXT takeovers, I don't think it was the strongest. But when you rank it next to any sort of other pay per views or like a general pay per view, it's really really good. It's a it's a takeover, you know. It's, yeah, you're always gonna have a decent time. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it wasn't like 
I'd say it, it wasn't one of the better War Games pay-per-views that they've done, but it, like, I'm not trying to make it sound like it was bad. It was still a really good show. I still enjoyed the hell out of it. Um, so we'll just kind of go through it beat by beat, by beat and just see what we think. So obviously it started with uh, Team Candice versus Team Shotzi. Um, so it was the Women's War Games. Um, I thought this was probably my favourite uh, War Games out of the night. Uh, what was your opinion? Um, my opinion is that war games much like hell in a cell shouldn't be a pay-per-view it should be um something to work to for a feud mm-hmm. um i don't, i honestly can't t- i think i preferred the men's one mm-hmm. just because they were established teams and there was sort of callbacks to things that have more things that happen i suppose um and Okay, I, I think I prefer the men's one, but mm-hmm. my main gripe is that there were two War Games matches, and there should have been one. Yeah, yeah. It, it's kind of that thing now where, I mean, f- like, to its due, the women should be having these kind of matches now to help bolster, uh, boost up the whole, you know, women revolution thing. Um, but then it, it is just kind of one of those things where it dampens it, where you, you, you're you always going to guarantee with any of these branded pay-per-views, you know, you're going to get a men's one, then you're going to get a women's one. Um Whereas, like, it would probably maybe work in more in favor if they just picked one over the other. Because then it does kind of dampen the, the the kind of the severity of the match when you know you're just getting two on the same card and it kind of... There's not much really that left the build to it. You've, you've seen two of the same thing and that must put a lot of pressure on them um, on both matches to kind of try and think of stuff that the other one isn't going to think of. So the, it, it kind of makes a bit of a thing where they might try and... I don't think I'll do each other, but it kind of adds that pressure, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, because you, you get... I mean, the, there are more men on the roster than there are women on the roster. Um, I, You know, it, ideally we're, we're going to get to a point where it's 50-50. Um, you, when it's a high-profile match like this, now WWE's sort of go-to is it's one men's, one woman's. So it's either... It's, it's one men's money in the bank, one woman's money in the bank. Uh, it's one men's war game one women's war game one men's elimination one women's elimination um you know that's 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 equal and that's good but and and i guess you do run the risk of when you only do one each pay-per-view that it would end up just being the men's because that's you know how it's traditionally been ideally it would be a you know one in one out yeah where it's one women's one men's but then also it, that kind of gets stale in itself where it's just like yeah i know it's a it's a women's one this year. I know it's a men's one this year. Yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a difficult thing to say. Well, I think I, I think if a good way to go about it would be basically what people have been saying for years is just get rid of the branded pay per views. I think the only two you could really keep would obviously be the Rumble because that's obviously a big thing in and of itself, and I'd say Money in the Bank because that's kind of become like a sort of in my mind that's like a bit like a second Royal Rumble now. So I think it deserves its own spotlight. Um. If you if you eliminate the branded pay per views, then that means you can have these matches still, but you can you can put them throughout the year. So I don't know, like you could have maybe a War Games women's match at some point at the start of the year, as long as the feud's there. Then later on in the year, you could have a War Games men's match, um, and again just have it on like a just a like a random named pay per view, and then that way people are people aren't going to obviously tune in expecting to see two of the same match. It means you've spaced them out enough, and it means the women and the men get their own time to shine with it. Right. Yeah, I think one of the biggest problems is 
uh, stakes in a lot of these things. Yeah. Uh, the Royal Rumble has stakes. The winner goes to WrestleMania and challenges for a belt of their choosing. Um, it often times sets up feuds or continues feuds as it goes you know um you can even break up tag teams in it you could practically form tag teams during a royal rumble uh money in the bank has has stakes you get you get the actual goddamn briefcase that means that you can challenge for a title of your choosing at any time um survivor series and war games you don't you don't really there's no titles on the line the only title on the line at this one was the north american championship yep um and then you had the women's uh champion in the match you had the the tag team champions uh in the match uh finn i think is still out i think he's coming back today in fact as we record um but yeah it's it's all about stakes i guess i i think when these pay-per-views happen it's especially egregious like it survivor series when you know they talk about brand they they do a fight of, of brand supremacy but then the pay-per-view is over monday comes along and it didn't happen because there's nowhere to go from that you can't feud with the people you beat because they're on a different brand um at least at least i mean in the women's uh match where uh raquel pinned uh io I'm going to assume that means she gets a title shot. There is some stakes there. As for the men's one, I'm not really sure. I assume they're going to then challenge for the tag title. Possibly. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll go over some ideas on that when we get to it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think I don't know why I've really enjoyed the women's one. Um, it was one of those things where I was sat watching it. I, I, I always forget how stacked the women's division in NXT is. Like... Nearly everyone in this match looks like they could be like a future player in like the main roster division. Like they all came across incredibly well in it. So yeah, I think the highlight for me in the match was obviously when Io did her trash can dive off the top of the cage. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I loved the little cheeky, <laughs> cheeky smile she had as she just like tipped it over her head, and that bump looked insane. I think I think there was just so many bumps in this match that looked ridiculous. Like when I think it was it was definitely Kai doing the double stump on I think it was Io again under the trash can. She really oh, yeah. squashes that thing. Like you could tell yeah, she was a brutal. bit stuck. <laughs> um, yeah, and of course, like I mean, the match was—they were both like living up to the title. Because I believe uh, Candice suffered a broken arm because of the finish of the match as well. I think she was checked out for a broken arm. I don't know if it was confirmed that it was broken. Oh, okay, so she was checked out. Yeah, yeah. It, it did look pretty nasty, especially because I mean, it, it did look a bit. Um, I could see what they're trying to do, but it did look a bit like. It looked like it was like a fucked up finish, even though obviously the point where she was holding the chair up to defend herself, but usually those spots are where someone's put the chair on them to inflict damage. But even there, there, though, I thought it was a really good match. Um, I also really liked the little sledgehammer they pulled out. It looked very cartoony. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's good. Um, Yeah, um, after that, it was Tommaso Ciampa versus Timothy Thatcher. Um, Another good match. I mean, I'm loving seeing... Timothy Thatcher on like a platform like NXT now because it was one of those wrestlers people never thought would go to something like WWE or even NXT. Um, I can't really say they've done amazingly well with him. Like at least they're letting him live up to what kind of style he is, you know, with the catcher's can style. And at least even in matches like this, because it was like the similar situation when he fought Riddle, even though he obviously beat Riddle. Um, they are making him look like a really tough bastard, especially things like how he's bleeding in the ear in this match and was just kind of like 
powering through it, you know what I mean? He, they're just making him look like an absolute beast, even though he did lose this match. Yeah. I mean, you got to protect Tommaso Ciampa, and he definitely didn't look weak in this match at all. Because, um, I mean, Ciampa's going to be a challenger for, for, for Cross. I can see them going for a really big... Um, uh, sort of program together. I I think Thatcher is probably going to move to the North American uh, against Johnny soon enough. And yeah, I, I this wasn't a bad showing at all. Him beating Riddle is is already a, a you know a big rub. Um, mm-hmm. And this this was I mean because what he he got up like straight away after the finish, right? Yeah, I think so. Um... It wasn't exactly a no sell, but it was more of just like I'm a tough bastard. Um, you can't keep me down for long type thing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, the, they are building him like a really hard-as-nails force. Because um, it was the similar situation... I, th- I think the this difficult situation they've got with it is they're putting him in with the established names that you that are, they're still kind of pushing. Because it was the same situation when he fought Finn Balor. Uh, was it at the In Your House one, I think? Early mm-hmm. in the year? Yeah, that was, that, that was probably one of my... That's been one of my favourite matches from this year. And again, obviously, Finn was kind of on his rise again and obviously Thatcher had to lose that I mean he, obviously again he didn't look bad in the defeat but I worry that if they keep doing that it's going to kind of devalue his stock a little bit I feel like they just need to get him in there with people who are on the same kind of pegging with him in NXT so we can at least get a few wins and sort of keep pushing this sort of hard hard man persona which is very kind of real to him mm. I mean do you see him staying singles or do you see him ending up as part of some kind of stable and or tag team well i i was quite surprised i suppose given the circumstances because obviously, obviously i think i think i'm i'm guessing a major factor of him signing with nxt was because it happened during the pandemic so right. maybe maybe he was obviously kind of worried about what work he was going to be getting so it was kind of a smart move because i think they've been after him for a while but he's always been quite happy being an independent um I was surprised. I think if the things had turned, I could have seen him easily in NXT UK just to simply keep kind of maybe add him to Imperium. So then essentially they have got the full ring camp lineup again. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, fair enough, it's already quite big at the moment. There's four guys in there already, but at least mm-hmm. at least he'd have a fit there because again he's he's a champion of catches can re- catches can wrestling, which is obviously like mm-hmm. pioneered in Britain. So um, For those that aren't aware. Uh, previous to to imperium was basically ring camp imperium is basically ring camp mark two and and thatcher was part of it yeah yeah exactly and they were like pretty like pretty massively dominant especially in like the uk and europe scenes um so i would have thought i would have thought you would have ended up there if anywhere else because i mean nxt uk has kind of become a place where a lot of people who don't want to be part of the like the overall WWE umbrella kind of go there because Walters basically already said that he does want to go at the main roster. He's happy just staying in NXT UK. I think there's a couple of other examples similar to that. So, because um, I'd, I'd I'd hope he'd probably put one to just stick around. If I'd hope Thatcher would just want to stick around NXT because I just get the feeling if he went to the main roster, I don't see them being able to do much with him. I think that he would just kind of become another failed call up. And I'm a big fan of his, and I wouldn't want to kind of see that happen to him or his character. Yeah, I mean. It's difficult to, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Things things could change, which is what they've been saying for years. But things could, and and maybe maybe there's there would be space for him. But as of right now, probably not. 
Uh, I, I, yeah, I mean, especially with Vince being there, because at the end of the day, Timothy Thatcher is a wrestler, and Vince doesn't like the big W word, so I could, just, I just, yeah, I just don't know where that might go. But I mean, I'm happy with the way he's doing NXT, so I'm hoping he kind of carries on with some good tra- uh, traje- trajectory there. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, it was the strap match between Dexter Loomis and Cameron Grimes. Um, again, it was just another really good match. Um, it looked pretty hard hitting and brutal then. Again, these are two like massive stars on the rise in NXT for me. I think Cameron Grimes, I could see him doing big things because he's got he's amazingly talented in the ring and he's also just got that perfect mouthpiece. He's just so good with like his promos and like the character he portrays. He's just such a snively little shit, but he's really good at it. Mm. From what I've been seeing on the socials, I think uh, Loomis is really kind of getting over with um, with a lot of the fans now. And w- I don't know where they'd position him as the character that he is. Because it is kind of still... Yeah, it's like a, it's like a big man um, monster type character, right? That's, that's the build he has. He has that kind of big dude evil build, right? But the character itself is still kind of comedic. Um, and both can work, you know? Yeah. But I worry where that will place him. I don't know if they'd see him on the same level as a, as a Karrion Cross type, you know? Yeah, I agree. I, 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 I struggle to see him in the main event scene, but I could easily see him again in that North American title picture. Um, I'll admit, obviously, I'm not. I, I do love NXT, but I, it's hard to be kind of a. It's hard to kind of watch it when if you've only got your net, network subscription and you have to wait like a week for them to upload the last episode. So, I'm always just kind of catching up through like social media. But I've I've always kind of liked the Cameron Grimes character. I think it's unique. I think he's brilliant as I think they call him in country the American Psycho. He, that that stare of his is just absolutely amazing, and I love the fact that he's kind of like doing this silent character because it isn't the whole thing. He's like a tortured artist essentially. I think, yeah, he, I think he had been... his old he had this glove type thing going on yeah. a big, big bib yeah I, I don't think he'd like me calling it a bib but you know his <laughs> artist bib his artist bib um I, I, I think it's a good character i like what i've seen so far um I, I i think i think you are right i think there's been a few moments that did go a little bit goofy but um i honestly see good things coming out of it so <clears throat> i think again they're both like tremendous talents going forward and it was quite nice just to see old school strap match stipulation come back i loved the kind of opening with cameron bringing his own out to the ring and refusing to put on the official one and i do that in air quotes (laughs) yeah yeah it's good um god they they released something on their socials where they were hyping up uh william regal saying war games and they had like you know all of the nxt superstars say war games and then it cut to uh dexter loomis and he just stared at the camera for three seconds and then cut away perfect (laughs) Perfect. like yeah i i i think that there is space there's always space to be a comedic character and a serious character jericho walks that line very well mjf does that very well um i hope that they do it with loomis i think that with WWE, there's a very much one or the other sort of... It, it, they see it as like a dichotomy where it's like, you're either an R-Truth or you're an Undertaker. Yeah. You take it serious or 
you're the 24-7 champ. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Especially, obviously, main roster. Like, NXT, they grant their performance freedom to be, um, like, varied in the character work. So, again, like I say, their Dexter Lumis can be a little bit silly, but then he can also be serious when he needs to be. Whereas WWE now, it's literally your, again, night and day with it. You've either got to be a very serious character, or you've got to be very serious. It's very rare people can tread that line anymore, which is a shame, but... Um, I think I think it'll definitely do well in NXT, and again, I'm pretty sure we'll see some like other great stuff out of them in the months, years to come. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, it was the triple threat match for the uh, North American title, so that was Johnny Gargano against Damian Priest and Leon Ruff. Um, it's quite an interesting story going into this, especially because the belts kind of. Uh, gone backwards and forwards and the whole thing around putting Leon in as well him getting the win over Gargano and going in as the very underdog champion and I thought I think this might be my favorite match of the night other than excluding the war games matches um I just love the kind of story they were telling so obviously priests used rough to get back into this position but he's also kind of a bit protective over him. Obviously, he does that big razor's edge through the barrier, and he looks and he says he he says he's sorry and looks quite concerned for Ruff as he's carried away. I just thought it was kind of uh, well executed in that regard. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it, it's it was definitely an interesting story going in. They they can run the risk in these type of things where, well, like like we're talking about, Leon comes in as almost a comedic side to this story treated often like that but you know then he try he steps up to the plate uh he has he even gets the spot where he gets written out of the match and then comes back in and has sort of a hero moment um which i think is is tremendous it's able to skirt that line between comedic and um serious yeah no i agree um he it, it he does skirt that line very well um because like I think because he plays up to it quite well. Like I think he's aware of what his positioning is in that match. Like obviously he's kind of seen as a joke, and he'll he'll kind of act a bit goofy, but then he is kind of proving himself in the ring at the same time because he did he holds his own incredibly well against these two. Um, it was kind of interesting, obviously, that they've been carrying on that uh, the scream thing throughout the last since October, which I mm-hmm. totally forgot they were doing. Yeah. Um, and obviously, that leads to the big reveal that now uh, Austin Theory's back and he's partnering with Gargano. I did kind of like his little nod to the whole "It's me, Austin." Yeah, it was, that was clever. Yeah, that yeah. was clever. I like that. I think I think you kind of had to when you dress like that. So I think I mean, who else is going to have that opportunity where they're wearing a robe tight outfit and can pull that off? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, I hope I hope that the that the story continues with all four of them. I see a tag match coming up on like a, a couple NXT's time. You know, um, Theory and uh, Gargano against uh, uh, Priest and 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 Ruff. And I I just think there's a lot more that could be told between the four of them. Yeah, I agree. Um, especially because you've got the dynamic there now. Because, I mean, the, it was kind of dissolving before the match anyway with Priest sort of obviously revealing that his whole intention of him help of helping Ruff win was just so he obviously had a quicker path to the championship. And then, like we said, the dynamic in the match that he obviously did look a bit concerned when he basically roughed them up too much. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what they could do story-wise with this. I mean, because obviously with the thing with NXT, they generally put... Um, a lot of good effort into story and long-term story t- story booking at that. Um, the main event, obviously, with War Games has kind of 
proof of that as well. So yeah, I'm with you on that one. I'm like excited to see where it could go next. And sure. uh, moving on, the last match of obviously was the men's war games, which was the undisputed era against Team McAfee. Um, like I said, that, I, again, I thought was this was a really good match. I think once again, Pat McAfee's kind of showing his worth as a potential as a potential future star. Um, we were obviously blown away by his match with Adam Cole and uh, earlier in the year and this again just kind of shows like how good he is and how much he gets wrestling especially because he's coming from like an outside sport because he was a football player wasn't he originally so he was a kicker in the nfl um mm-hmm. i know I've, sp- I've spoken to you about it i don't think i've said it on the podcast but me and harry um we would pop off and and actually go out of our way to pretty much watch the pre-show uh anytime pat mcafee was there because he started as just a, a pundit on there um, because he's a great talker, so he'd just be on there and he'd he'd sort of do his shtick. He had a great back and forth with EC3, and they had a great chemistry. Yeah. He had there was oh, there was one time where he was talking to one of the referees. I forget the name of the referee, the one that is really tanned. Oh, oh him, yeah, yeah. Um, I forget his name. I just yeah, the guy, the, the guy, the guy that's really the the tan guy, tan, yeah, tan yeah, ref, yeah. tan um, ref. And I can't remember what it was, but. Uh, the, the the advertising for the match, they were going really heavy in a very WWE way. They were going like, there is no rules in this match because it was the un- I think it was the unsanctioned one that uh, the the Gargano and um, uh, Gargano and Champa had. Yeah, um, and he was hyping it up. He was just kept saying because he inter- interviewed the referee like, how are you gonna you know uh, uh, referee this match when there's no rules and 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 all this and he just kept going kept pushing him and at the end he was like how are you and your tan gonna referee this match with no rules <laughs> and it's just his his delivery and and his wit is is so good and then to then be backed up by three of just the most incredible wrestlers um one of them probably one of the best best british wrestlers of all time yeah. um and then also to back it up in the ring yourself, because the man, the man takes bumps. The man sells pretty well. The man, he he does does his shtick pretty good, you know. He really does. Um, like, like you were saying there, like I I was because I obviously when we all lived in London, I used to come watch the uh, NXT WWE whatever with you guys, and yeah, he mm-hmm. was the highlight of the pre-show. What was the iconic thing that we all loved when he was talking about the Authors of Pain? He goes on like a massive oh. tangent, and he's like, "It's like they write, isn't it like they write books or something like that." He just says something really uh, yeah. dumb. What, what can't they do? They write books. Yeah, they hurt people. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Um, the thing is, like, if anyone else said that, it would just—I mean, it was dumb, but somehow he gets away with it just because he is that good at talking. Um, yeah. yeah. I, well, do you know what it is? It's skirting the line between comedic and serious, and it's—it's it's perfect. He's such a great uh manager type um but also now he's backing up in the ring where i'm like i i I see him being such a such a heel with a with a title especially with um dunn and 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 birch and lorcan backing him up so good yeah yeah i agree um i i mean again like he he plays his character so well in this obviously the whole match is just him it was just those little nods like when it's like it's it's time for like the next person enter the match and he's always stood by the door first but then uh one of his other team kind of steps in and he without hesitation just goes yeah okay yeah you you go you go first and then when he when they're actually in the match he'll he'll basically take his shots when he can when members of the undisputed era are down but then as soon as they're back up he's basically behind his uh well, British Shield and one American bloke. 
He's uh, honestly honorary British at this point, you know. Yeah, yeah. Let's just let's just say he's he's British just to make things a bit easier. Um, <laughs> um, and again, I, I think it was a good show. I mean, I mean the fact that he it was up to Pat to do the big bump off the cage as well. Um, he's got a really good moonsault. I'll give him that. Yeah. Although, wait, although was this was this a moonsault? Or was it a front flip? I mean, this might be uh, a front flip. I actually forget which he did. So yes. let's just edit it out. Let's just edit it out. Um, yeah, no, he does. He he's he does some great high risk moves, um, and he, he pulls them off very well, very athletically. The athlete that he is, the kicker that he is, or was, yeah. I suppose. Yeah, because um, it's one of those things. Where obviously, a, a big thing in WWE is they will bring in sports stars from other areas, and it's kind of it's. There's not really a middle ground for it. I think. I think either they get wrestling. Probably because they are a fan and they'll put the effort in, and then you got the ones there that just don't put the effort in and kind of feel miserably because they just see it as a way of getting a paycheck. Thankfully, he is someone who clearly is a fan and wants to put the work in, and he's they're doing it about in a smart way, so they're not having him immediately become this big name that's winning matches out of nowhere. They're sort of slowly, obviously, building his character and sort mm-hmm. of building him more established, but he just plays the chicken shit heel so well and. The Snively heels so well, so he, he was—he's just—he's becoming like a standout favorite of mine. Whatever he does, whether it's promos in the ring or even when he actually does get in the ring, he actually does hold it all pretty well. Yeah, I mean, even just when he came in and you know he was doing his podcast uh, and the, the sort of Adam Cole discourse where he had him on, because that—that was kind of where they their feud began with him on the pre-show before he'd even signed, uh, or I believe before he'd even signed a sort of uh, in-ring contract. Um, so like long-term storytelling, it's been absolutely wonderful with Pat. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it feels like it's been ages since he had that match with Adam Cole. I think it was Takeover Thirty, wasn't it? And again, yeah. that's kind of proof of like how good he is. He is. I think I think give it and maybe another year or two, and he'll be absolutely amazing in the ring. And I think we'll see some absolutely tremendous work out of him in the future. Um. And again, it was just another good show for the Undisputed Era. I feel like, again, this. Um, I think uh, Kyle was kind of one of the main stars of it. It seems like they are still really wanting to sort of cement him as a main event player now. Because I was kind of, going into this match, I thought it was going to be Team Pat that was going to win. Because I thought this might have been where they might have sort of sowed the seeds of the Undisputed Era splitting up. Because it's been rumoured to be happening for a while now. But it still seems like they are going strong for a bit longer from the looks of things. I I just don't think that they should ever break up, ever. Mm-hmm. Um, I just uh, there doesn't seem much doesn't seem a space in NXT for the four of them to be solo, or even like you know the, the space that they deserve to yeah. be solo. Well, the rumor was if because uh, I mean obviously it takes a pinch of salt. This is what Dirt Sheet said. Um, this was because this was floating around when Kyle got that match against Finn Balor. If with the plan was if they were going to split it up, it was going to be Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly as baby faces, and then they were going to keep Roderick Strong and Bobby Fish as heels, and possibly still keep them as a tag team from the sounds of it. Um, so it sounded like if they did break up, you'd have the sort of the down the middle feud there with two on one side and two on the other. But I'm kind of with you on it. I, I, I kind of don't see much point splitting them up. I've, I think they should definitely go in the direction of giving them more to do other than what they've been doing so far. So I like the idea of Kyle still having main event matches 
and then try and figure out what they could maybe do with Bobby Fish and Roderick Strong as well, just to kind of give them something different to do. Yeah, just do it the the Japan style of like um, you've got big stables, you know. Yeah. That you've got uh, Lij, you've got Chaos, and it's a, it's a plethora of people, and they cycle. You know, you've got the the leaders that change often, mm-hmm. um, and you've got sort of people lower down that that take their turns, sort of at being main event players and and backing each other up and 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 tagging. I I don't see a point in in breaking up the undisputed undisputed era. If anything, expand it. Put Kevin Owens in it. Um, <laughs> just just keep making more stables get pat mcafee give him thatcher um yeah you know make bigger stables i feel like when it comes to things like i'm probably not xt so much but when it comes to the wwe and all as soon as they build a stable it feels like they do that with the idea always that it's going to split up if that makes sense yeah like yeah tag teams are built because they see the feud when they break up that's what happens yeah Whereas I'm with you, like, if they just took a... Like, I just don't think there's anything wrong with how other wrestling places do it, like New Japan or the Indies, where you can just have them as a stable, but that doesn't mean you have to always feature them as a unit, if that makes sense. So you can still have them knowing that they're part of a stable, but let them go off and do their own stories that are separate from the rest of the group. It's like how, again... um, Going back to Ring Camp, like when they were on the Indies, they were always a stable, but there was never it was never something where they always had to be together. Like Walter went through that tear in progress, still a member of Ring Camp, but he was rarely ever with them. Like they'd occasionally might come in mm-hmm. for a tag match, but that was it. And I feel like that's something you can do where you could still have them as a group, but you don't have to always make it a group storyline. You can let each individual member do their own thing. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's how the elite have been. Um great in a, in a lot of their storytelling over in new japan even in in AEW as well um you know it, it's it's why you can have kenny omega win win a match and have the bucks come out and celebrate with him and it just highlights all of them at the same time yeah exactly um so i mean we'll, we'll see where it goes with this it feels like i'm with you i think they should just kind of keep on speed era together but um uh, I, th- I think we're still a long way off if they are going to split them up. Um, I- I- I'd kind of see them maybe eventually having the group on the main roster at some point, but mm-hmm. who knows. Yeah. But yeah, great match. Um, the other thing I wanted to point out was that uh, it's great seeing Pete Dunne finally back in the ring wrestling because he's probably my favourite wrestler going at the moment, and that bitter end he hit on Adam Cole on the steel chair looked oh. gnarly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would not have wanted to take that. No. Um, he's also looking cut right now. He is looking. He's looking beefy. He's looking beefy. beefy. Yeah. yeah, got that meat. So, um, yeah. Again, no, never good war games match. I still think since they brought back, I still think my favorite one's been undisputed era against the War Raiders, Pete Dunne and Ricochet. But yeah, still, still a really, really solid show. Um, anything else you want to add on top of that? No, just as always, such a solid show. Um, it makes you it, when a show makes you excited to see where it goes, it's done well, and I'm excited to see where a lot of those stories go. Fantastic. Um, the only other thing we were going to recently bring up in the weekly highlights this week is it was AEW's big 
ca- uh, big dynamite show winter is coming. Um, there's only really kind of two things I want to bring up about this. So the big news, obviously, was Sting made his return back into a wrestling ring after, God, was it been like two years now since he got injured? Uh, it's been about longer, that, I think. Longer, longer than that, I think. Uh, longer, maybe 2017. Uh, yeah, anyway, so he's back in a ring. Um, it seems like this was kind of the most logical conclusion, given that was when he got injured by WWE, the only other big thing he did was the Hall of Fame. And then he appeared in, I think it was the 2K20 Christmas commercial, which is quite funny. But other than that, they just kind of sat him on the shelf and didn't have him do anything, which they kind of do with the legends. Like a lot of the times WWE will sign a legend just so they've got them under contract and then they just don't really know what to do with them. Whereas what I like about AEW is they're actually using the legends, but they're using them right. They're not just basically putting them in a match. They're basically letting them do managerial roles or just have some kind of on-screen presence. And it was one... If if I saw Jake the Snake taking bumps in 2020, I I would not want to watch it, to be honest. Yeah, that yeah, cruel. <laughs> exactly. Like, you don't want to see these kind of guys taking unnecessary bumps in the ring, even though I'm sure some of them would still think they could go. Um, it's just good that they, they do it smartly. Like, again, Jake's been a tremendous manager for Lance Archer. And I'm looking forward to see what this thing will actually do. Because, I mean, the debut was really impressive. Like, you, you see a lot of people kind of have a swipe at AW saying it doesn't have the same kind of wow factor of production values of wwe but they did they went all out for his debut i mean having it snow in the arena it was just a really cool visual having him come out to that mm-hmm. could have done yeah. without the, the the weird it was kind of weird for me like i remember watching it at the time and then him coming out was really cool but then his just kind of weird stare down of everyone just came across as a little bit awkward to me <laughs> i think i think um there was some sort of intertextuality to it in in like um, I, I think I saw a few videos of people that I think read into it a little bit more than they read into it like um, like an English teacher reads into red curtains where they're just like, uh, yeah, the character is slutty because they have red curtains and they are promiscuous or whatever because the curtains are red. Um, there, there were things like him facing off against Arn and Arn mm-hmm. was kind of like, I, I feel like there was a lot of story told in it. Uh, the only one that kind of stood up to him was um, Darby, because he doesn't know him. Yeah, I suppose. Um, the way I like to read into it is that um, everyone else feared him on, you know, obviously massive history yeah. with him. Um, I think it was good. Uh, I think the stare down could could be perceived as a little bit weird, uh, a little bit like why did he do that? Yeah. Especially when he came in to save them and then decided to stare at them, um, but but really, as like storytelling goes, I think it's I think it's fine, and I think it will probably. It looks the way he stared them down looks like it's leading to a match possibly between him and Darby, which is very strange. I do not want to see him get coffin dropped. No. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, better better coffin dropped by Darby than uh, Luke Hobbs. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. Um, I mean, the reason I think that the stare-down was weird is it just the... All, well, Cody was obviously doing his part, and so was Darby, and I think Arndt would agree. It just it just felt like Sting even felt a bit awkward just kind of going round the ring, staring them out, and then leaving. Like, he just looked a bit uncomfortable with it, is the only reason I thought it was a bit awkward. How would you How would you have him come out? Um, I, f- I think it would have just worked fine if he did that same cool entrance and then all he really had to do was kind of maybe stand in the ring i think if they were gonna have him do 
build if they were trying to maybe sort of have that moment to sort of cement what direction you might be going in, then you could add something like a stare down. But the fact you saved them from the the heels, it would have been maybe good to maybe just have him point the bat at them or something, you know? Because I mean, he, he plays the silent silent protagonist very well. It just felt like him going around the ring and staring them all was just a little bit weird for me, but. I, th- I think it worked. I mean, more, everyone kind of said they were like, they loved the debut, and I have to agree. Like, they did go all out for that legend. Um, what yeah, do you think? I mean, we'll, oh, we'll, go ahead. I suppose it depends uh, how he aligns himself. Yeah. My assumption is he's going to be Darby's manager. Um, that makes sense thinking. to me. It, it just kind of makes sense character wise. They both. Darby isn't exactly a vigilante, but, you know, I, I, I could very much see that working. Um, it depends how quickly they get to there if they've got a story to tell before that happens then it makes sense if they come out tonight and say i'm aligning with darby he could have just basically nodded to that then you know yeah yeah um so me i was gonna ask then what you think they're gonna do and so do you think that's kind of your prediction then that'll be darby's manager going forward i believe he's gonna end up as darby yeah. manager. Um, that, i think it's, that's the best thing to happen and usually, yeah. with AEW recently, the best thing to happen is usually what happens, apart from the women's division. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we've been over that enough. That's not, let's not go over it again. <laughs> um, yeah. I agree. I think I think there's been... Because, I mean, the big thing coming into it was everyone's asking, is he going to wrestle again? Is he clear to wrestle again? Um, speaking for myself, when I saw him show up, of course, I'd love to see him in the ring, but I don't want to see it because, I mean, he was basically lucky that like the Seth Rollins match didn't cripple him essentially from the sounds of it. So I'd, I'd, I'd say, I think I've heard he is probably going to take, I, I could see him doing things like doing a Scorpion death drop on someone. You know what I mean? Like, I think, I think he'll get a little physical, but I doubt we're going to see a full match out of it. I think I'm with you in that. If he's going managerial, it should be with Derby. I could see, because they do long-term storytelling quite well. I could honestly see... I, I, don't, I don't see him and Cody being over by a long shot. I think maybe with the thing Team Taz has run its course, I could honestly see him and Cody continuing their feud. And then at least you've got the managers making sense. So you've obviously got Arn Anderson and Sting in the individual corners. And obviously, like you said, they're the history they had in WCW. That would obviously play quite well into things. Yeah, I suppose. Um I'm not sure. Uh, it's difficult to tell, and I kind of like that. I like yeah. not being able to know. I had no idea Sting was coming out, which is wonderful. Whereas right now, I know everything and everyone who's in Spider-Man 3, for example. Um, <laughs> Are you excited for Spider-Man 3? <laughs> I was. Now I know everyone's in it. Um, I agree. I think that's what AEW does quite well. They are very good at... You can never really predict what they're going to do with stories, and that's what I've been missing from things like WWE for a while, because WWE... WWE will pull a swerve, but it's a swerve that never makes sense. You know what I mean? It's like, I think they panic when fans figure out the plot, so they'll throw whatever they can together at the last minute, and it always usually does not make sense. AEW's pretty good with this kind of thing. It, it's it's for me it's the not carrying it through it's the it's the last jedi curse where yeah. i actually enjoyed last jedi but i enjoy it less because they completely retconned it in the next one yeah. um I and then i enjoy ni- neither of them and it's it's the similar case with wwe where i didn't enjoy raw underground but might have enjoyed it if you just continued but you didn't so well case in point uh it looks like retribution's basically already on its way out after 
I well, next to nothing. <laughs> Again, no. no one liked it, but follow through with it, and maybe you know things could improve. I mean, you've brought Ali into the group, who people want to see do great things. Fair enough, it's not a position that's great, but the fact that they're just having them lose squash matches now, and it seems like it's basically going to be over before it was even began. You know, I, I, th- the way I see it going, and um. You can you can bookmark this one and 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 clip this whoever is watching, but he's gonna go back to uh, being a, a a hacker or whatever, and he's going to expose some wrestlers or 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 even Vince himself. And I see eventually I see Vince actually coming out for for Ali. That's what I see long long term down the line. But yeah. I think I think that that's where they're gonna go. Whether they continue with that, probably not. But Ali is going to go back to his his uh, hacker character, still as part of Retribution. Yeah. Um, and something something will happen, whether it's him hacking a pay per view and like taking over the feed, or like taking someone hostage, some some dumb shit like that. Yeah. Um, I'd get behind it. I really like Ali. But yeah, I, that's where I see them taking it because otherwise, where the fuck else are they going to take it? I think I'll just I'll just take you I'll just go with you on that. Um, it sounds like I mean that's pretty much like a decent suggestion. So then it could at least hopefully full circle the hacker thing at least because again that was something that seemingly was going to go nowhere. But uh, I don't know. I mean it, it could easily just be a case that, like they're just suddenly not on TV anymore and they're never mentioned again. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean it's a worry, but yeah, we try and be optimistic here. We're a podcast of positivity, don't you know? I do, I do, I do. Um, after that, I think the only other really noteworthy thing that came out of Winter is Coming was obviously Kenny Omega became the champion, which I think we all kind of knew was coming, so we were quite pleasantly surprised. Um, I think I think the main tracker was obviously the whole heel thing with Don Callis, but you kind of have more of a knowledge of about him and Callis, so did you kind of see that going in that direction? No, not really. Um, they they've hinted at Callis not really being his manager or anything, but just being there. He was there, uh, the week before I believe, and maybe or two weeks before that. Don Callis has um got a big history with Kenny. I believe they're they're friends in real life. Um, and they were you know, saying he, on commentary he's... that he's his uncle. Is that like kayfabe or is that like legit? I have no idea. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, they see mm-hmm. they seem that close anyway. Yeah. Um, but you know he's he called pretty much all of his matches in New Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't see it coming, which is great. Yeah. I don't know if I like it. Kenny hasn't ever really had a manager, but I guess he was part of the stable Bullet Club and 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 the Elite, which is like having managers in and of itself. So I don't know. It could work. It's also something new. Um, what WWE do a lot of the time is they like with Ring Camp turning into Imperium or, um, you know, established things being sort of renamed as if they're new. It's it's rehashing what people have already done somewhere else. Like yeah. um, uh, Broken Matt Hardy became Woken Matt Hardy, um, and I I worried to an extent that Kenny Omega going back to his cleaner persona would have been almost detrimental if it was just the exact same if they change that now that don Callis is with him um and you know possibly a host of other things or people may join him 
then it's 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 welcome you know it's something new it's something fresh it's kind of a reinvention of the same character not just renaming the cleaner the janitor or something you know yeah i think i think you're right so wwe's uh point of call is they'll they'll hear about something that worked well in the indies or like in another company and you're right they'll get their hands on it and basically make it the watered down wwe version um AEW so far has had a good track record because they're they're not a company too afraid to acknowledge people's history in other companies and they'll even you know mention like other wrestlers who aren't signed with them on commentary so like uh oh what was it i think it was it was the, it was on this show it was uh was it frankie kazarian against chris jericho they mentioned that kazarian has a win over ricardo which is i'm guessing happened when he had his little tna run so mm-hmm. again they're not afraid to sort of mention people's past gimmicks characters storylines that they've done in other companies i feel like what they kind of do is they just give it the the natural platform of like if we do bring it back it's not necessarily a new thing it's more of a continuation or maybe like a new evolution to the character yeah, if that makes I, sense you should never it's, the way wwe do it, it is a very sort of neoliberalism um uh, marketing corporate america view right where where you would buy a company and then you'd rename it completely. Mm-hmm. Um, like what was musically became TikTok, right? Yeah. Or something like that. So instead of continuing with musically because you bought the company, you rename it something else and try and create your own thing that is exactly the same. That's what WWE do. Instead of uh, capitalizing on the already existing marketability of something, they will completely rename it, even though it's kind of the same thing. It's like, it's like a uh, uh, Pepsi and, and Crystal Pepsi, you know. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's it, it's Coke just no and point. New Coke. <laughs> You've already got a mark. If you've got an already established marketable product, use it. It's yeah. crazy. Uh, don't rename Chad Gable Shorty G when Chad Gable is getting over. Yeah, I think it's just WWE's. It's probably. I reckon that's obviously more vince's thing because i think if i think if it's something that he hasn't thought he's created either just wants nothing to do with it or he wants to try and make it seem like it was kind of under his umbrella it was created even though people people wanted matt hardy back in wwe because of the broken matt hardy character so it's not something you can easily wash over um mm, i see i think it's even it's it's more of a sinister marketing thing where it's just yeah it's purely just they want to have the rights to everything they want to market this they want to sell this uh through merchandise and they don't want any existing like if kenny came in he wouldn't be called the cleaner yeah um the mopper basically if if somebody googles the cleaner they don't want them buying merch from new japan right they'd want them buying the wwe janitor merch yeah essentially a thesaurus must be a powerful tool backstage at wwe <laughs> um but yeah i agree I, I, it's gonna be interesting to see where the cleaner goes um i thought the match was pretty decent again i I've, I've, i don't know if i mentioned before i like john moxley and the fact he's a great promo i like it when he gets extreme but when it comes to i don't know when it comes to his wrestling i'm just never that entertained the only match i can think out of wwe i really enjoyed was his one with lance archer at wrestle kingdom was that this year uh yes i believe it was yes. this year it's 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 been a long year. Um, I can show you watch watch his G one stint. Um, he had some pretty solid matches. I think I think my favorite was his against uh, Tomohiro Ishii. The Stone. I Pink think Ball. I saw that one. 
that was, yeah, that that was, was pretty that good. Was that was hard hitting. That was really but good. They they kind of their their styles that very much are, are quite similar. You could practically. I mean, he's hardly the the New Japan John Moxley, but they're they're very they're very similar. They're both quite hard hitting. Stone yeah. Pitbulls, the two of them. No, again, yeah, yeah. I, 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 again, I like John Moxley. I think the work he's done in AW since WWE has been fantastic, and he's been he's done well to carry the belt when there's been no fans because he essentially won it, and then he's basically had no fans to fight in front of essentially. Yeah, and I, I like him as a person. I was listening to uh, his wife's new podcast, and he was the first guest, and he, he talked about how he used to take coke or cheap speed and then go to the library. <laughs> apparently apparently because i mean he was a poor guy growing up so he, he said he used to love the library just because he could get like cds and books and stuff so that's where he got a lot of his education from but he said he used to just take like cheap coke and go sit in the library <laughs> just i guess read yeah as a person i think he's great i think he's a good champion whether he's is he gonna have uh six seven star matches according to Meltzer? maybe not but <laughs> i i think he does the job that he needs to he can really get over with a crowd and and to get a reaction like that you know you're doing something right um we'll see we'll see how kenny does you know whether he he holds it as long as as moxley whether moxley might even take it back you know we will see, we'll see. i think hangman is the next but i think it seems like smart booking we've we, we've kind of talked about this i think it's definitely going to lead to hangman i i think aw's not the when it comes to the world title they're not the kind of company that seems to like hot shot it i think they do give people a decent run to kind of give that belt a bit more prestige plus i mean it, it could easily just feed into like now that henny's henny kenny's doing these new sort of heel tactics I, i'm interested to see how he's going to kind of carry that reign um but that also led into that aw also has a partnership with impact now so that's mm-hmm. going to be interesting to see what they do with it i mean we were discussing before the pod it was obviously hype that kenny was going to be on the show this week impact show and it, it kind of didn't amount to much it was what like a couple seconds promo at the beginning if that so yeah um, yeah i mean it, if anything it's it's kind of just a a give to impact wrestling just to get eyes on it i mean because what now we've had it's it's almost like a, a silent um creep in that, that tony khan and 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 the rest of them have been doing because who have they you know been doing dealings with right now really they currently have on their roster the new japan uh u.s champion right or north american champion i can't remember which belt they have i think it's the i think, US I think it's champion. u.s it's u.s um but yeah john is currently the 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 new japan u.s champ you've got kenny who is still the triple a um i have to forget the name of that belt but it's like it, it's their top belt, right? He's still their champion. Yeah. You have the NWA champion, uh, the women's champion, coming on mm-hmm. and fighting multiple times. You've now got the deal with Impact Wrestling. Um, I, I, I mean, you know, Ring of Honor is only I, they, they've kind. I believe they had people on that were contracted with Ring of Honor at the time. Was Eddie yeah. Kingston still under contract with Ring of Honor? Or am I being crazy? Or someone he- was. Kingston was with NWA um, under their contract, but I don't know if he was still in the contract when he paid for AEW. Because the big thing was with that, they were hyping up how he had to sell his ring gear. Apparently, all of these money issues that they mentioned company were true. Like, he was struggling at the time when he made that appearance. So, 
right. might not have been under NWA contract then from the sounds of it. But even then, NWA were quite... I think they would let wrestlers work other places because he was before the pandemic he was doing quite a big run in the uk scene he did a lot of stuff for progress last year mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean I, I think that's what's good about aw is that they're not trying to be like at the next WWE in the sense that they just want to control the wrestling market they're very open to having these partnerships and letting everyone get like a bit of spotlight which is good yeah um, yeah yeah um, so they're, like, they're mean... very fair in that regard because I mean the big thing was after this, somewhat Triple H had a conference call and someone brought that up to him. He kind of just gave that kind of like open response of we're always open for business, but I, I I can't remember the last time WWE even had a partnership with another company. Like fair enough, they've got the little ones, but that's just for developmental. So it, it almost yeah. doesn't even feel like a partnership with them. It's kind of yeah. just like a it's like oh, an this internship. Is now. It's not yeah. a partnership. It's an internship. <laughs> yeah. Like Progress Wrestling. As amazing as it is, uh, it doesn't feel like a partnership. It feels like an internship. Yeah, no, that's true. Like everything from Progress, ICW evolved. It, it's all essentially just so they've got more developmental hands in the pie across the world because that's obviously their big thing. Is they want that do- like global got dominance of the developmental system. So right. yeah, you're right. It, it's not really much of a partnership, even though. It's it, it it does help those indie promotions in the long run, given that now they're on the network and stuff. But at the end of the day, it's, it has sort of watered them down ever so slightly. Because I was rewatching some old progress stuff recently, and um, I mean I, I can't really say for certain if it's because they're with WWE now, but obviously there was a lot they did a lot more different stuff compared to what they've been doing the last couple of years. If that makes sense. Yeah, I would be interesting to uh, it, we'd never see them because I don't think. Um, because internet internet things uh, are very mm-hmm. very interesting in terms of like cuz in TV you have to show your ratings right yeah, yeah i don't think the wwe network or anything like that has to show anything i would be very interested uh, if you could somehow measure the 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 people that have gone from the wwe network to then go to to watch progress or watch evolve or or watch any other company because of what they've seen on the network or if it's a complete other way around because a lot of the times people from progress are usually diehard wrestling fans anyway you know yeah. a lot of these smaller companies are diehard fans they they don't have the bigger appeal um that WWE does and and I don't know it'd be very interesting to see which we'll mm-hmm. never see, but it'd be very interesting to see how good their partnerships actually working for them. Mm-hmm. I agree. I, I, I mean, the the biggest money is is just going to be the paycheck they get for putting their content on the network. Yeah, um, I think you're right. I mean, on the one hand, though, it like yeah, the the it's the sort of pros and cons to it. I, th- I think it's benefited them quite well because they the ones that they've got signed are sort of the biggest indies going, and then. WWE is actually quite good in that they have let them loan talent for the shows. Like you're yeah. talking Kyle O'Reilly and Cameron Grimes, although he was still Trevor Lee then, were in super strong style last year, for example. So True, true. But there do you... was... Do you remember... Oh, God, I can't remember the name of the company. There was a there was a big hullabaloo because mm-hmm. I think Regal came out and and said that it was a bit of, bit of BS going on. But basically a lot of stars... Um, were pulled out. A lot of UK stars and and people like that were pulled out of local shows and smaller shows mm-hmm. because of 
I think it was a takeover at the time, and I, I think there have been other shows where they've just been pulled out because obviously WWE takes priority. Mm-hmm. And I think at the time, Cody loaned them a bunch of AEW wrestlers to sort of, you know, look very good, which he did at the time. Um, but yeah, th- there have been times where they have taken away wrestlers from indie shows. Yeah, yeah, I know you're right. It, 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 again, it, it's sort of um, double-edged sword, I suppose. Like, there's definitely pros and cons to having someone like WWE overlooking your stuff. But I think you're right. I think, I think unless we actually saw saw those benefits uh, up close, it's hard to kind of tell what works in the long run. Whereas at least with the AEW partnership, they're sort of at least using it. They're at least partnering with brands that have already can kind of stand on their own and. Fair enough, they'll probably be a bit lower down, but at least with them, it looks like they are at least trying to give them a bit of a decent spotlight with everything. It's not like we're coming in and we're taking over everything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the way that the story looks like it's going is I think it's going to be a, a Kenny going around trying to collect titles type deal. Um, maybe the cleaner is going to become the collector. Hey, that'd be cool. Um, which would be interesting, and I don't know how you'd do that without kind of burying, well, not burying, depending on how good the match is, but, um, you know, if he's if he's going around stealing every top company's belt, or every company's top belt, then um, I don't really know. I think it could be done. I mean, look back through history, it's been done before. Was it, um, I think it was Ultimo Dragon, wasn't it? Like, fair enough, it wasn't top belts, but he had... A ridiculous number of championships across multiple yeah, companies at like one point. Sixteen. Yeah, there's like a picture of him with them all over his waist and arms, yeah, and it's ridiculous. Yeah. So it, it would could be, be very done. interesting to see, especially in an age where each of these companies has you know wider appeal um, and are just a lot bigger. Like imagine, imagine Kenny with the AAA, the AEW, the the Impact, mm. um, the. <sighs> I mean, I don't know if New Japan are planning on having a full-on um, f- deal with them. One of the, the reasons, one of the reasons that Moxley needed to be freed up is because he is against Hideo Itami. Mm-hmm. Um, I might actually, I might be crazy. He might change his name. Um, Kenta. Kenta. What am I fucking saying? <laughs> God, why am I saying Hideo Itami? I know him as Kenta anyway. Um, <laughs> But yeah, sorry. He has a match with uh, Kenta for his US title, which he hasn't defended in a very long time. Mm-hmm. There are reasons for that. Uh, it's quite self-evident, as anyone listening who can't go outside knows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's interesting. It's interesting. But it's then, interesting. But then if there was a partnership, why, why wasn't John defending his title on on AEW, you know? I think there's... So there's been lots reported on it. Um, I think a big... So I think they've been trying to establish that partnership, but then I think there's also maybe a lot of... I don't want to necessarily say hurt feelings, but when you consider how AEW was formed, New Japan lost quite a lot of talent in regards to that, because obviously they lost... Like, Kenny came over. They, they had little bits of Jericho, the Young Bucks, obviously Cody. So I think there's maybe still a bit of hurt feelings regarding the all kind of left yeah well to be honest with you uh, i'm a big as you know i'm a big proponent of japanese wrestling and new yep. japan is is the main one um but 
there are so many other companies that you can work with and that have incredible talent. My one of my favorite wrestlers of all time doesn't work for New Japan. He works for you know Noah. Um, mm-hmm. Marafuji uh, is just one of the greatest, and if they could get a Marafuji come in, yeah, sure, he doesn't have the name brand power that uh, uh, you know, yeah. an Okada does or a Tanahashi, but that's a name. At if, least. if they can't, if they can't work with um, New Japan, Noah is a pretty damn good second, or even you know, let's get Dragon Gate, let's go work. Obviously. He's got ties to DDT and, and all I was going to say, so. I'd, I'd like to see DDT just to maybe see if Chris Brooks would come across because I just love Chris Brooks. I'd love to see maybe him and Gresham. I'd like to see something like CZK do have more of a big spotlight put on them, but that's just kind of my personal preference. Mm-hmm. I, no. I, mean, I would like it too. Yeah. I know it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, I, I think it's going to be a good partnership between the two and I'm hoping at the end of the day we just want to see some good matches and good stories come out of it. Moving on, so we're going back to matches you need to see. Uh, it was my turn to pick this week, and I went with Team Tremendous, which is the team of Bill Kahn, Dan Barry, versus the Anti-Fun Police, Chief Deputy Dern, and Los Federales Super Santos Jr. From Progress, Chapter 79, One Big Neck with Sausage Hands. Um, I've been sitting on this one for a while. Um, this was a tag match I would have liked to have put in my list last week on the top tag matches we did, but I kind of kept it aside for this just because I felt like it was something really fun to discuss. So with this series, we're trying to like do a range of matches, and so far we've had some great choices, but they've all just been, you know, like kind of mat classics, if you like, whereas with this one, it's um, leaning more on the side of comedy. Um, it's one of the things a lot of people kind of either love or hate comedy in wrestling, wouldn't you say? Yes. I mean, people yeah. complain a lot about comedy in wrestling. Uh, we are big proponents of it. We think it can fit. As we were talking about earlier, we think that, you know, it can fit in a, in a single character. They could probably do both, you know? Not only probably, they can. A good character can. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, I feel like, obviously, it's one of the things... That comedy wrestling is quite hard to get the right balance of. Um, I think especially when it's on... I can kind of understand why people like WWE don't do it much, and even when they do, it's more Vince's comedy, like putting Pat and Gerald Briscoe in evening gowns and having them fight, which kind of funny, I guess, but it's not like what I'd like to see. Mm-hmm. Um, but with this, uh, that's why I kind of love independent wrestling, because you go to a show, you're going to guarantee to see great matches, you're going to hear great crowd reactions, and then you're going to get things like just wrestlers just having fun with a match and just like making people laugh it's like you get a good variety of a show that you wouldn't normally see on kind of mainstream tv mm-hmm. um and this why and the reason why i put this one because it's not just out and out comedy it is actually it's kind of a match of two halves that the first half is pretty much just pure comedy uh for the most part but then it does actually kind of break down into a, like a nice little match i think yeah yeah no it's it's solid um the crowd very much behind it it has one of my favorite chants in all of wrestling uh, I I watched it for the first time today. I hadn't actually seen any of um, Team Tremendous before, but I have seen um, the Anti-Fun Police. I've seen a lot of No Fun Done as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, so we'll kind of go a bit for B. I mean, one thing I want to kind of mention, just as a fun little side before it sets up, because I think this was the match after the half-hour break, after the break they do in progress, because you, you've got to show they get an interval. Um, so James Smallman obviously comes out and does his hype and speaks to the crowd, and... Um, 
in, in, a ter- in a point of perfect timing, he asks a member of the crowd what the name is, and they say Jordan, and the big thing in progress is the whole crowd will say hello, whatever the name is. So the crowd mm-hmm. goes, hello, Jordan. Right at that moment, Jordan Devlin's just come back from the merch table, as he and he passes by them right when the crowd says, hello, Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant, brilliant, brilliant uh, timing there. But yeah, the match itself, it, it, we'll just kind of go through the, the sort of some of the best highlights of it. So yeah, like you were mentioning there, it starts off with just the, one of the funniest chants ever. So... If, to kind of build the scene, so like obviously the anti-fun police, as I suggest, they're like a bit of a police gimmick who just don't like to have fun, even though they kind of do have fun in their matches. And then Team Tremendous is meant to be kind of like American cops in a sense, like um, kind of looking like sort of like something like out of Miami Vice, uh, I guess, <laughs> even though they're kind, of, even though they're from New York. And um, it starts off with um, I think it's Dan Barry pointing out that Dunn has uh, he's got his badge on the front of his shorts where it says no fun and he points out that he's got no fun written across his dick <laughs> and that just erupts into the progress crowd chanting, chanting he's got no fun on his dick over and over again um and yeah and i mean like i said this first half of the match is just pure comedy um i think some of the highlights is when they do like the kind of uh chops in the corner so at first i think it's done gets chopped isn't it and <laughs> he kind of it kind of walks out the corner a bit and then just lets out a massive scream, like a comically over-the-top scream, and has to run back to his partner who gets tagged in, and then Santos gets in, and then the same thing happens to him. I think it's Santos first. Is it Santos? Oh, it's Santos. Yeah. yeah, so it's Santos first. He gets chopped, shakes it off, walks away. Then Dunn gives, comes gives, in, gives Dunn a big hug yeah. to, to feel better, and Dunn's <laughs> like, "Oh, don't worry, I'll take it. I'll take it." And then fucking and then, screams and gets decked himself. It's so good, and then. I mean, because there's like some wrestling going on between that, but it is just like uh, fun little moments. I mean, obviously the highlight is the finger gun point. So um, <laughs> it starts off with one of them just pointing. Uh, it starts off with Santos, I think, pulling a finger gun out on Barry, I think it is. Barry then gets it out of his hand and then he has the gun. And then it just keeps like uh, falling apart from there until all four of them are stood with a Mexican standoff with guns in the ring. And it leads to a fucking uh, progress team member getting shot. <laughs> it, yeah, it's he's, hard he's, to he's stood on, on the apron and then, and then what reaches into his shirt, pulls out blood and yeah. then like turns to the audience. They're all, they're all stood in the ring with their finger guns like shocked. Um, and and then and then it leads it leads to the bit where they hide the body uh, and then hide the they hide the guns in the audience. Yeah, they do. And then the, just what I love about it is the crowd plays up to a chant and we saw we nothing. We saw nothing. Yeah, that's my favorite <laughs> chant. We saw nothing. Oh, it's so good. It's what it's going to be hard to describe because it's one of those things where you say it out loud. It you can't understand how funny it is, but like watch it because it is so good. Um, I think another highlight for me is when it's, um, I think it's Dunn and Carr in the ring and Carr keeps body checking Dunn and then on the last one he just says please stop very feebly (laughs) before getting checked out the way again. (laughs) Um, And then it's just like, again, like the match just kind of breaks down into like actually a pretty competitive bout towards the end and then you just see... It's the kind of match that sh- that will make you believe that big men can fly because everyone, with exception of Dunn, are very big boys. And at one point, I think all I think Santos, Carr, and Barry do basically ridiculous suicide dives out of the ring, um, which I just always meant to say, especially in the case of Santos, who is a very beefy boy, but he kind of can pull off a few kind of agile things in the ring. I think it was I think it was Barry that did. He he messed it up slightly mm-hmm. but but i'm sure if i if i looked it's a it's a move that he can do very well but he does a 
sort of over the head suplex, and then as the suplex takes the bump, mm-hmm. he instantly kips up from that bump. I'm yeah. pretty sure it was Barry that did it, and that was... I was, like, blown away. He didn't exactly hit it perfectly right. He sort of used his hand to kind of steady him. But it, him him doing that move alone tells me that, no, nah, this man can can do that shit. He can do that, Joseph. No, I, I remember the bit, yeah, because he, he kind of stumbles a little bit on it, but he just kind of regains it quite well. Um, but, yeah, it's just... It, it's one of those kind of perfect matches where it gets the comedy so spot on for me, and it, it doesn't kind of... It doesn't go too silly. Like I think describing the finger gun thing makes it sound like it's a bit too ridiculous, but it really isn't. For whatever reason, it works perfectly well for the match. Again, the idea of the, like, you've got the American police against the like the British police, even though I'm pretty sure Dunn isn't from the UK. I might have to check that. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's really good. And then what I love about it as well, you can legit tell that um, the commentary... Uh, completely losing their minds about how funny it is because they're barely able to call the match and all you can hear is them just completely pissing themselves trying to like call everything that's going on Mm. yeah it's a solid match uh any kind of other thoughts on the match at all given it was your first time seeing it um i mean i'm a big fan of, of comedy matches i think for one of my matches that you need to see i'll find a yano match i have to try and figure out which one is my favorite i actually quite like his moxley match that was pretty good, um, but it's a, it's such a great one for for just uh, having a great crowd. Um, we obviously we talk often about British crowds, especially progress crowds. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, my favorite chant being the "We saw nothing" chant. It's fucking brilliant. I love it. Um, but one one thing when we talk about uh, British crowds and being rowdy like that. They also know when to switch off and let the match take its, you know, like take its time and allow the wrestlers to sort of do their thing. You know, like we're we're very ready to 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 throw our chance away mm-hmm. so that we can be quiet and hear you chop someone or hear you, you know, say a line or something like that. Um, so you know, I I think my my comment would be that it's just a bloody bloody great crowd for the match. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like we said, I think it was like a couple episodes ago, we had a big discussion on British crowds. I think, I think again, it's to my point that if you go to... Yeah, if you go to a show like Progress or like a British crowd, you're always going to guarantee you'll hear a chant that you'll never hear again. And I think that just makes a show even more special. So, like, again, like, I mean, how, how often are you going to hear a crowd chant, he's got no fun on his dick or we saw nothing? Like it's yeah. just never probably ever gonna come up again. You know what I mean? Um, again, like I, I, if if you ever wanted to see just good crowd reactions, generally any progress show you put on, you'll you'll hear something unique, something funny, because uh, they, they always have the most red hot crowds for shows. Um, but yeah, I, I love this match. I'd say for as long as I've been a progress fan, this is the match I've probably seen the most, uh, mainly because it's it's that kind of perfect match you can put on and even show like non wrestling fans like just how fun it can be. Because it generally is really funny. And then it does kind of go into like good wrestling towards the end. Um, and it, like I've seen this match probably close to 10 times now. And it still makes me crack up every time I see it. I think as well what I'd kind of like to do going off of this. I think one day we should try and do like maybe a top five comedy matches. Because I think that would be quite fun to kind of see what we could kind of pull out the bag for that one as well. Yeah, I'm sure we can work that out in like a couple of weeks' time. Let's do that. Yeah, let's do that one. That sounds like a fun one. Uh, anything else you want to touch on this match? 
Um, not particularly. Right. It, I mean, it's it's. I think what's good about comedy matches, comedy matches are good when they don't go stale. And this mm-hmm. was very much a like a, a a relatively quick match. I can't remember how long. Maybe about fifteen minutes, a little bit less. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it didn't overstay its welcome. It was perfectly paced. Lots of fun. Um, and has now made me want to go and watch some of Team Tremendous' stuff, which I haven't seen before, so I'm excited for that. Yeah, I'm the same. Um, I wasn't aware of them until I saw this match, and I'll admit I've not seen much since, but um, I, I, the only one I did was kind of aware of Dan Barry, who's quite a well-known name on the indies. Um, I think he's trained quite a lot of people who are quite big now as well. Um, yeah, brilliant match. Um, and... Yeah, we'll take it off that. Um, so, kind of going into the main topic, then it's kind of a bit of a hodgepodge. This one, we were just kind of with it, the season coming up, we were gonna kind of go over sort of Christmas memories and kind of things we used to get for Christmas, and uh, also kind of going to a fun side a bit about sort of ridiculous wrestling merch. So, I'm guessing you were the same as me, Garrett. That um, Christmas, obviously, a big time when you were a kid because you'd get lots of wrestling goodies. Am I right? Uh, unfortunately not right at all i wasn't allowed to watch wrestling as a kid so the no only way. time the only time i was allowed to watch wrestling well anytime i could watch wrestling because i wasn't allowed to is because i'd go over to a friend's house and we'd watch uh, a vhs uh tape that said um uh, danny's third birthday that was actually a, a wrestlemania like 16 or something um or I'd go over and we'd play SmackDown versus Raws and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I actually I remember having some figures of my own. I don't remember being given them by family, though. Mm-hmm. I think they must have been gifts from friends. Or, as a child, I might have stolen them, to be honest. Pretty sure I stole <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh cards at one point. Um, I forget. But, um, no, so most of, most of my actual wrestling merchandise and, and toys and whatnot come from far later in my life where yeah maybe a 20 a 20 something as you well know probably shouldn't be buying buying toys from self but then you buy them and you're like nah this is probably the best purchase i could have made i could be out uh, doing drugs and whatnot but no i'm i'm here with uh with my figures and my and my belt and whatnot which one of them is sitting behind me um but yeah yeah i mean i i have a few i have a few things that i, I looked up i went on wish and i typed mm-hmm. in wrestling just to try and see what we have um and I'll, I'll i can i can go over those in a bit but yeah tell me about some of your uh wrestling figure memories and, and wrestling toy memories yeah i mean christmas was kind of a big time for me um I, again it's kind of like like you said there like i am a 27 year old who collects a stupid amount of wrestling figures um I, I can honestly say um, lockdown was kind of the worst thing for my wallet because the collection has grown exponentially since then. Um, I'm running out of room, Garrett. I'm very scared. <laughs> I think I, th- I think someone has made the comment that one day they'll find me dead and I'll just be under a pile of plastic. Uh, I think, I think you'd be happy about that. I think that's your favorite. Uh, that would be your way to go, I'd say. Underneath yeah. uh, uh, Walter's plastic thighs. Yeah, yeah. Um, basically, getting curb stomped by hundreds of figures as they all just kind of avalanche on top of me. I think I think a lot of people would say that was probably the way he wanted to go. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, um, yeah, Christmas was kind of the big thing for me for getting a lot of wrestling merchandise. I'd say a lot. Of, I, when I think back, there must have probably been a point where I got a lot of figures because I can I can remember it. But I'd say the big thing was obviously the new video games when they came out. Right. Um, I remember one favorite memory was um, 
when the PS2 had just come out and they were running the trailers on SmackDown on Saturday mornings. And I was so desperate to play it. And luckily for me and my brother that year, my parents got us the PS2. And I remember just sat playing Just Bring It for days on end afterwards because I was just so hyped to play it. Um, I'd say one kind of embarrassing memory. Did you, when when you kind of reached that age, you didn't know Santa existed, and you know your parents were the ones behind it, or like whoever got you the presents. Were you, were you one of those people who always tried to like kind of bribe them into giving you stuff early? <laughs> uh yes yeah. yeah no i'd always i i now currently as a 24 year old and uh-huh. since i was probably 16 i've never got presents on christmas since then mm-hmm. i would always get them early i think it started with a nintendo ds and i got the nintendo ds a day or two before uh-huh. because uh we're a very impatient family and uh, i will be given gifts before the the fact um so yeah yeah definitely yeah, yeah. Uh, well, mine, mine wouldn't budge because they were very much like, no, it's for Christmas, which, to be fair, is kind of how it should go. But didn't stop me trying. I remember, I think it was when the f- it was when SmackDown versus Raw as the first game with that title came out, and um, I used to get a lot of video game magazines, so I remember seeing the previews for it, and I was hyped to play it mainly because here comes the pain it introduced legends to games and this one had like way better legends on like the rock mankind steve austin so i was desperate to play it mm-hmm. and i remember i think my mum had already let it slip that she had bought me it so i knew that she had it and i, I in a desperate attempt to try and get it early i i sketched out an image from one of the magazines and i literally wrote around it all the things i would do so i could play the game early i think it was basically like every kind of household chore known to man and she essentially looked at it and went oh that's cute you're still not getting it and i'm gonna put it on my pin board at work (laughs) what the fuck yeah mum, that's cruel i know right (laughs) i think she was generally kind of touched by it but then obviously saw the humor in it so i think it and i know for a fact when she put things on a pin board in her office they stayed there because she had like a picture i painted when i must have been in like preschool that was still there for like when she like all the way until she left work so mm. i imagine it stood there and just her and her work colleagues got a lot of a good chuckle out of it <laughs> evil <laughs> thanks mum. i wonder when the best time for wrestling merch is the best mm-hmm. time for most things in terms yeah. of commercialization is christmas time right that's yeah. what black friday is black friday doesn't celebrate a holiday it's buy this stuff for christmas um i wonder if WWE does better merch during Christmas or during WrestleMania. And I'm sure, like, you know, at shows, they do better merch, like, WrestleMania shows, right? But in terms of people buying online or people going to a store, to an Argos or whatever, Mm -hmm. and buying wrestling merch, I wonder if they do better on WrestleMania week or, you know, the build-up to Christmas. I would still assume Christmas. I still think... I think it'll be Christmas. Christmas. I think WrestleMania will be a hot point for them, but more more so they'll probably break in the merch money from the people who actually attend. Like they'll obviously do the sales online for people at home, but I think Christmas is always going to be the big thing because you imagine all the kids that want every kind of new figure that's out, any video game that's come out that year. Um, that's going to be the time when they'll actually get spoiled and kind of get a lot of the things that they want. Um, and even I guess for the older fans even though let's be honest most of wwe shirts are quite rubbish for like a male fan 
because I mean mm. a lot of things I get shirts but most of my shirts are from the indies because indie wrestlers kind of go a bit more all out with them whereas WWE are quite notorious for having there's some obviously they've had iconic shirts in their history but you've got to admit a lot of the ones they come up with are incredibly bland yeah for sure I mean I think I've got even some of the worst shirts. We, we, I mean, you were at WrestleMania with us a few times. We, we looked yeah. at some of the some of the shit shirts and bought them like, ironically and whatnot. Um, God, I can't remember what shirt. I think I the last shirt I remember buying from the WWE shop was the one they released for Walter, and I I have rarely worn it since because it it's ghastly. I don't know why I bought it. I think it's because I wanted a Walter T-shirt, and I should have waited because then it was not long after that we went to. Me and JS went to the sh- the progress show in Newcastle, which had Walter at, and he had way better merch that he produced himself. And JS bought one, and I was very mad at him. Bro, not mad, jealous, jealous. I wouldn't say I'm mad. I was jealous at him. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'd, I'd say going into things, what we did is we had to look for some very weird wrestling merch on top of that because not. I mean, WWE are prone to making some bland merch, but they're also producing like prone to producing some of the more weirder stuff if you would mm-hmm. agree oh 100 percent. i mean i'm sure you've you've got noted down some of the classics um most of the the weird merch came around sort of the 80s and 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 sort of early 90s yeah um god was it the i think it was hogan or maybe i'm pretty sure it was hogan shoes that you could put meat in to heat them up what <laughs> do you not know thing? about this yeah, no. yeah um there were there were shoes that you could put meat in hogan shoes meat okay oh oh yeah no no so i think um i might be wrong i think cultaholic did a video with this kind of merch like going over like a hundred weird bits of merch and um i think i do remember these meat shoes like, I don't know if they were ever actually made or if they were just a, a pattern that didn't actually testing. end up getting made. Um, so what's the what's the four by? Is it literally you just keep me in your shoe? Is it meant to heat it up? Like, what's the purpose of this? I do not know what the purpose <laughs> is. The purpose is selling children something overpriced. That's always the purpose. Yeah. yeah. Um, the shoes themselves, I don't know. I mean, Hogan's pro... I mean, like, if you if you look back through the history of merch, like, WWE was kind of the trendsetter, and it all was kind of on the back of Hogan. Like, they had things like, obviously, the figures, there's the video games, but even back in the 80s, you had sort of really questionable stuff. Like, um, I'm pretty sure you could buy, like, your own weights that had Hogan on, and, like, um, vitamin supplements and stuff like that. So... He's kind of like the like he's kind of the guy they pretty much slapped his face on anything just to make a quick book, and it did all kind of kind of sell like hotcakes. To be fair, um, one of the sort of more interesting things I've I remember and I found today, um, going back to wrestling figures, again, like in the I collect the sort of Mattel stuff now, which is more. They don't, they don't ever do anything that's really ridiculous. You know, they've kind of got the stuff that's for adult collectors and the stuff for kids. Um, but before that, it was owned by Jax, who had the license, and they made some of the most ridiculous choices and figures. Do you remember the Maximum Sweat action figures, or have you ever come across them before? It rings a bell, but I don't like that I don't remember. It feels like I've blocked it out. 
<laughs> so essentially what it is, it, it was a line of figures they did, and essentially the only way you can describe them is it looks like... It's like if you took a wrestler and injected them with Bane Venom from Batman. Mm. They look roided out to fuck, and they were huge. So, like, you, you've got to think as well, like by this point, they already had their main toy line. It's not going to fit with your toys at all. Like, you'd have to basically get these Maximum Sweat figures together if you want to make it have any sense and what you would do is you would in, you would squirt water into the back and press a button just so they would actually just sweat and i just can't figure out why they thought that was like a unique function for a figure um that's disgusting yeah firstly <laughs> i i mean there have been so many weird just things in action figures that they've that people have decided to do along the way. I remember, well, I don't remember exactly what, but I think they've done weird shit like that with action men uh, in the past. I mean, but like, I don't know who in a boardroom goes to their boss and goes, right, I've got it. We make the action figures wet. Yeah. <laughs> we, we're like, you see how the wrestlers sweat on screen. We really want to get that kind of action into a kid's hands. Like, no, no, that's just gross as fuck. Um, I mean, to kind of give you a comparison, I remember they released a Triple H figure back in the day, mm. and its main function was you could put water in his back and he'd spit it out. That's cool because you're at least replicating what he did on TV. Right, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, but, I mean, all wrestlers sweat. Yeah, but, like, but. That's just not really something you want to see. Triple H spitting water, not only is something you want to see, it's something that every kid has done. Mm -hmm. If you were a wrestling fan growing up and you were a fan of Triple H, you you, you did it. And even if you weren't a fan, you still did it because it just looked really cool. Yeah. Um, it's a bit like how me and my friend would get our old t-shirts and cut them up just so we could do the Hogan shirt rip. It's one of those things you just do because it, it looked cool as a kid. Um, the, the best way I could kind of compare these Maximum Sweat figures is it's like when you like girls can buy dolls that pee and poop. I just don't, I just don't understand what the appeal of that ever was, but yet they still kind of make those kind of things. You know, I don't think there ever was an appeal uh, yeah. to young girls. I think the ad executives were just like, yeah, young girls, they want to be mothers. Let's give them uh, dolls that shit. And that was, uh, that was it. I mean, we were probably a few bad years away from a Hulk Hogan baby that shits itself. Oh. <laughs> I don't want that image in my head. Would you I prefer mean... a, a, a Doink the Clown or like a Eugene? I mean, not really. That's just, No. <laughs> Although it sounds like you're in the wrong game, it sounds like if you if you pitch these ideas to WWE, Garrett, they probably would have got made. Mm. I mean, speaking of kind of dolls, have have you seen the weird? I think they made a bunch of them, but the one that shows up online a lot is the is the Hulk is the sorry the Stone Cold doll. Uh, no, it's essentially like a kid's like baby doll figure, but it's wearing like. The stone cold vest, gold chain. Its nappy is made to look like his jean shorts, and it also came with the smoke and skull belt as well. It looks really unsettling. Uh, that's I. I can't imagine someone in a meeting pitching that because because in like in like the sixties they they decided that there was a blue aisle and a pink aisle, right? Yeah. There was a, a boys and a girls. Uh, I can't imagine someone that goes in that time or any time before now. Yeah. Going, 
let's put one where which side do they put that on the boys or the girls you know that's the thing it, it feels it, it feels like I've, I've sent you the link by the way if you want to look to scroll down a bit and you'll find it um it, it doesn't feel like it's it's not who to market it this to is it like do boys want to play this do girls want to play with it it also has that kind of like aura of like you know like the adult kind oh, of collector God, why as well is it so oh it's it's <laughs> blushing yeah, yeah. Like, like I can understand possibly what they were trying to go it for. It has a title. It has a title belt. Yeah. It has a baby title belt. It comes with oh. the smoker skull belt. <laughs> like, do you see what I mean? Though it, 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 it's hard to see who this was aimed at. I feel like it's meant to be for those adult collectors because I think there is like a big market for older women who still collect dolls of this nature, obviously with a bit more value behind them. But it still just doesn't kind of register about who that should have been for, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, the the antiquated uh, boys get this, girls get that was, you know, yeah. it's still a thing that is now and it's a product of its time. I mean, I could go I could go for a long time, especially about its effect on video games. Yeah. Because um, when Nintendo came out with their consoles, they because they wanted to market it as a toy and not an entertainment thing towards kids, they had to choose blue or pink between you know boy or girl and they chose boy and that's why video games have always been uh pushed towards men um and boys yeah but yeah i just don't see how you'd go stone cold and baby doll and and put that on an aisle i don't know i just don't i don't understand (laughs) i truly don't get it like i there are definitely young girls that like wrestling uh, and liked wrestling but whether they wanted to change the diaper of Stone Cold Steve Austin, <laughs> I don't think so. The the only way that makes sense for me, right, is if <laughs> is if Vince McMahon did it as as a storyline thing, and was like, uh, Stone Cold, I I made you a baby doll, <laughs> uh, and that's the only way it makes sense to me. But I have a feeling that's not the case. Austin Free 16 says, I just pooped my pants. I just wiped my ass. <laughs> yeah. Austin 316 says, you just wiped my ass. <laughs> yeah, you're right. And I'm pretty sure it's not just Stone Cold that did. I swear, I think I've seen a one of The Rock. And it Ugh. comes with like the shades and everything. It's just the most questionable thing. Um, I send on that link I send you. What we'll do as well, we'll put all the links in the comment, in the bio as well so people can look at these for themselves um if you could scroll up have you seen the talking soap before with stone cold on it i'm sorry the, the what now <laughs> talking soap so i i became familiar with this because again um brian zane from wrestling with regret did a series of videos <laughs> about uh, these t- talking soap. yeah yeah got <laughs> and- the soap now what <laughs> what who comes up with a tagline that is pick up the soap now? What? <laughs> um, so yeah, I became familiar because of Brian Zane's videos on Wrestling for Regret, and he reviewed this soap. I think what happened as well, because like you, you look at it, it's in like that plastic holder, but no, what it is, the, the electronic is on the soap, and when he used it in the shower, it, it basically broke it so it wouldn't shut up. It kept talking. Well, it's soap. <laughs> Why would you have electronics and soap? Why? I mean, what do you? Th- who came up with this shit? 
I think the idea is obviously with things like that, you're obviously trying to like make bath time fun for kids, but you do that by putting in like a novelty bottle. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I don't know what kid wants to sit in the bath and have Stone Cold talk to them, and not even him talking to them, just his sentient voice coming out of a bar of soap. Ugh. I mean, is he is, is Austin three? Well, yeah. Okay, I guess this this is where he says Austin three sixteen says, "I just wiped your ass." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I just I just cleaned your ass. <laughs> I just cleaned your ass. <laughs> Again, it it's like what they'll put on just boggles the mind. Um, if you scroll a bit further down, some of my other favorites is you've got like WCW made a cologne for men called Nitro. Ooh, I can oh. only imagine what that would smell like. <laughs> uh, God, I don't know. Shame the, and the failure. Co- the collective <laughs> New World Order's, like, towel drippings. Oh. <laughs> that to really wring that out just to get, uh, get a few bottles out to order. Yeah. Well, then again, just below that, you've got Austin's Venom uh, and WWF Attitude colognes. Again, it would uh, the Attitude one would just be uh, shame. <laughs> shame for what we've done. All right, let's come up with our own uh, piece of of wrestling merchandise that you think you think would sell right now. What, what's a what's a piece of out there wrestling merchandise that you think you could sell? Out there wrestling merch. Um, it's kind of hard to kind of. I might have to have a think because, like, literally, like I, I feel like if you come up with something, chances are they've already tried to make it, already done it. I mean. Mm. Bootios, like who would have thought WWE would have a cereal again, but they did. <laughs> Alright, here's here's mine, right? Coming okay. up to Christmas as well. Um, what you do is you you, you get a, a a Christmas cracker and then on either side you've got a wrestler, right? Mm-hmm. And then obviously when you're pulling the cracker, they're fighting and then the winner is the one and then it writes itself. It writes itself. Right? <laughs> yeah. You just you pull the cracker, and then obviously uh, the person who wins the cracker is also the winning wrestler. Easy. Okay, but like the more important question is, what's the little prize you get oh, in the shit, cracker? Oh, shit, what's inside the cracker? Yeah. I haven't thought far yeah. enough. Well, it's, it's, obviously, it's obviously talking soap. Yeah, yeah. They're going to bring that back. So who, who would you have on the talking soap now? Uh, whoever won. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you'd do that, but whoever won... Uh, as it pops open, the the soap talks to you, and and says, "Austin three sixteen says I just uh, cracked you better. I don't know. I don't know. I, I... <laughs> Cut. I just, I just popped a cracker. I oh just wait, no. a cracker. <laughs> uh, uh, I just. <laughs> I think. Um... Yeah, I just don't know what weird merchandise you could do that they haven't already done. I'm just kind of looking through the list that we found. I mean, they they put they made a freaking Daniel Bryan baseball cap, but to to replicate his beard, they made the whole bill of the cap fuzzy, like his beard. Ooh. Like who yeah. who who wants that? Like like I, I, you got to think as well. A lot of their products are going to shift in America. Who's going to wear a baseball cap in the red hot sun of Florida, for example? That's got fur on it. It's, uh, so it's on the brim of the cap. Yeah, yeah. Hang on, I'll I'll send you a crop. Is it? Here. Does it like? Does it like go down and you can like wear it as a beard? Because no. like, 
It's it's literally just on the bill of the hat. <clears throat> yeah, like who who is that for? <laughs> I don't know because I'd imagine like a like a cold type one, right? Where it's like a kind of a woolly ish hat, or it could even still be a baseball cap, and then yeah. you have that like beard come down um, to like warm your face up, right? That kind of makes sense. A little bit dumb, but works in like a especially if you go and tour uh, like a colder place. Um, and you, know, you, you sound like in the oh god, ugh, ugh, why is it furry? Ugh. <laughs> oh, that's disgusting. You only just realised it's furry. <laughs> well, because I didn't realise when you said furry, I was just like maybe it's a bit felt, but no, it, like, no, it's furry. Down. Yeah, it it shags. <laughs> Again, like who's that for, and who would wear it? That's my question. Like I understand that like they want to like shift lots of merchandise, but you have to kind of think wait when when when, when does like when do they cut an idea? You know what I mean? Because I've, I've honestly felt like you've, you've seen everything that they could produce. I mean, going back to one of those other articles, there's like Stone Cold Condoms. Like, I think literally when he took off in the Attitude Era, anything that they could put his face on, they did. Yeah. Sp- <laughs> Speaking of condoms, you, uh, you must have seen this. Have you seen the, 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 the it's somewhat famous, the, the Sin Cara t-shirt? Uh, it rings a bell, but I don't remember it. Hang on, I'll send you that one. Um, quite quite funny for an obvious reason, but I'll wait till you've seen it. <clears throat> Again, and what this one kind of proves, it shows that they just have lousy ideas for t-shirts and they can somehow still fuck that up. <laughs> Lottery tickets? Jesus. Oh, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> <laughs> Why do they give him a dick? <laughs> Why is this dick the wrong way around? <laughs> I think I think the whole point of that is that, like that is just clearly an like poor cutting on their part. But I- I'm assuming that's meant to be his tights. But the way it's framed, it basically just makes it look like he's got one hell of an erection going on. Mm. And then if you scroll down below that again, they've just never got right. Like I-, I mean, the classic one is the APA shirt below that as well. Always pounding ass. People wore that in the street. I, I mean, to be fair, that's very on brand, you know? It's on brand, but I think... I mean, it's. It was, I imagine it was on brand for the time, but imagine, like, a non-wrestling fan checking that out. I think that's going to do... The only other thing I would like to mention is... Go back to the Imga link I sent you at the very bottom. So what they did is, like, when wrestling first had the figures out, they obviously had the LGNs, which were, like, big rubbery things, but then they tried to, like narrow that down and they made fun wrestlers so that's kind of sounds like a neat concept you know wrestling fun wrestling but then the way that they've kind of uh oh, they you, sit oh. on a thumb you, you have to put the thumb right up, up their, their ass. ass yeah <laughs> you'd think like an obvious oh, that the because if you if you place those like like leaning down they're in the doggy position with yeah. a massive gaping arsehole for you to put your thumb in yeah jesus christ <laughs> oh Oh, it's so good. I mean, like, you'd think with that, the obvious way would be, I don't know, you could just, like, have, like, the wrestler's head. You know what I mean? You don't need, like, the full body. But no, they were like, no, no, just just have them put the thumb right up their arse. It'll be fine. Jesus. Love it. Um, I think that'll do for me. You got any other rare merch you want to bring up? <clears throat> um, I suppose there's a lot of wish things going on. Not official merch. Yeah. But uh, my my favorite things um, 
are the the sort of Facebook AI like artificial shit that that comes up. So, for example, on Facebook, if you like a bunch of pages that's like I'm a trucker, I'm a gamer, I'm uh, 34 and divorced dad. It yeah. would push you an, an AI-generated shirt that said, I'm a trucker gamer, 34-year-old divorced dad. Yeah. Uh, n- nothing can stop me, right? Yeah. And I love, I love the wrestling ones like that. For example, the uh, I'm crazy wrestling mom everyone warned you about, uh, which I just sent you. Um, <laughs> ten people bought that. Amazing. Some grandmas <laughs> knit. Real grandmas watch wrestling. <laughs> These are like the kind of shirts you would see some people wear at a wrestling show, though. Like, I'm not, yeah. I'm not gonna lie. I think you would see. Oh some no, I've, I've definitely seen these kind of things at a wrestling show, the, especially this one, the sort of uh, sexist one where it's just like uh, a woman yelling at a man, problem, and then uh, the man suplexing her, solved. <laughs> just, just some casual spousal abuse, you know? Um, <laughs> why not? <laughs> Uh, Jesus. You having problems with the missus? Fucking suplexer. Austin 316 says, I just beat my <laughs> wife. <laughs> I didn't think I didn't think it's possible to bury Stone Cold like this, but we're doing a pretty good job. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I mean, Wish just always blows my mind, because I think, you, again, not even just wrestling stuff, if you can think of something, chances are you can find a Chinese factory that's making it. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Uh, th- those shirts kind of remind me. It's like when you see people at um, gigs with t- like novelty t-shirts of the favorite band that they've bought. It's like the classic one for me is I'm a big Foo Fighters fan. And every time you go see them at a show, I can guarantee you'll see someone wearing a t-shirt that says I'm gay for girl. <laughs> Which I mean, who isn't, to be fair? <clears throat> they should just market that themselves if they're not, you know? Yeah, they could make a freaking fortune. Brilliant. Uh, anything else you want to pop up on the merch? Uh, I think that's probably everything for now. I think we ended on a on a highlight. Austin three sixteen says, "I just beat my wife." Is a pretty. <laughs> I, I I think I've peaked there. Yeah, yeah. I think I don't think we're going to be able to top that. Uh, excellent. So yeah, I mean, um, that's quite a little nice little fun episode that one. Um, yeah, if you want to check us out, like I say, go to our social media channels. You can find us on the Bear Hug Club podcast on Facebook, Bear Hug Pod on Instagram, and Bear Hug Club on Twitter, and the Bear Hug Club podcast on YouTube. Like we say, we're going to try and get some more stuff done from there, probably in the new year when we've got a bit more time. Uh, we're all going to be busy playing Cyberpunk 2077. I'll be playing that in, what, four hours? Uh, from recording, yeah. Well, you will. I've got to wait till Amazon freaking drops off my copy. Yeah. Because I'm a fool and won't go digital just yet. Because I like having. Yeah, there's nothing wrong things. with it. At least you're able to resell. I am That's not able true. to. Very true. Um, so we'll be doing that. Uh, have you got anything you want to plug coming up on your streaming, Garrett? Uh, well, it depends on the time it goes out. Tomorrow I'm streaming the Game Awards with good friend Danny. Um, I've only just set up my streaming PC again. My GPU broke, so I bought a new one. A very shit one, 10:30, but. Um, eventually I'd like to be streaming live recordings of the podcast, um, and maybe even some wrestling games with you as well. That'd be a lot of fun. So, uh, twitch.tv slash kid winter. If you'd like to jump on there, I'd I'd quite like to get Jason, you just, just having a go, having, having some fun. Go show him some support. You, uh, was, you're very close to getting partnership. Is that right? 
Oh no, God no! I, I did. I've already hit affiliate though. Um, affiliate okay. part partners are very long way away, but you know we just we do it for fun. If if anything comes of it, it comes of it. But much much like yeah. this pod, we're here, here to have fun, and talking to you is is very fun. Is indeed right. Uh, yeah. Cheers, guys. See you next time. See ya.